Welcome to HB RV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host, the Honey Badger, here to give it to you straight and transparent about the RV business, as well as other things. And today's episode, I'm going to cover a lot of breaking news. Uh, most of this episode is going to be news that has come out of multiple areas of the RV business. And I believe that not only does the customer need to hear this, but the RV dealerships need to hear this. Um, I'm also going to go over some things, or I should say add on to things that I've added on to in the past. Because there's a continued story of the Grand Design Frameflex issue or construction problems. And I'm going to cover those later in this episode. And I'm going to connect the dots because there's some things going on uh, with the RV industry and uh, social media. And I'm, I want to connect it all together. Now you may, if, if you're unable to watch this whole episode, I understand, uh, but you might miss some context. And what I don't want to do is have you walk away uh, with a misunderstanding of what I say. So, you know, if you have any questions, you can always email me, you can always contact me uh, through, in fact, if you are uh, watching this on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, I'm going to link my email in the description box below. So breaking news out of Indiana today, Forest River is set to lay off 83 factory workers. Okay, now while that is not a big number, that is only the beginning. Okay, and 83 factory workers is a pretty good chunk considering that they're going down most of the manufacturers all the way around from Thor Industries umbrella, Forest Rivers umbrella, Winnebago's umbrella. They've all cut production down to where most of the factories are running between three and three and a half days a week. Not all of them. There are some that are still shoving five days a week, building yards, hoping someone comes in and buys up a yard. But that is a fact of life. You know, you have to have a philosophy. Coachman RV, for years under MRT, had a philosophy of build to order. So it keeps quality up. While under the same umbrella Coachman is, which is a Forest River umbrella, a guy named Quake... Last name Quake is like, nope, mass produce in mass numbers. I don't care if it sits in the yard. We'll get rid of it. Someone's going to buy it up. You can also tell some of the quality problems that Cherokee has had in the past. You could tell that Cherokee during COVID, and this is not talking crap. This is just a fact of life. Cherokee was one of the worst uh, offenders of shipping units out during COVID, missing all kinds of stuff. And I said one of the worst. I didn't say the worst. I said one of the worst. Just so there's clarification on that. 
I used to receive gray wolves, wolf pups, wolf packs, rogue armors, missing crap during COVID. It's like they slapped on the butt and said, get it out of here, folks. Let the dealer deal with it. One of the worst offenders. Coachman wasn't that way. Coachman was one of the lesser offenders, yet they were both under the Forest River umbrella. So it just goes to show you that some of the knuckleheads at the top of the RV food chain on the factory side run their segment on ego, not on greed. Okay. The other thought process, and this is a side note, because I got actually a direct message. I got a, actually three direct messages about this Forest River thing from fans. And one of them, uh, and I really want to thank thank him for sending me this, one of them sent me a screenshot of a Facebook group in which they shut off the comments because of political commentary. You know, I don't go political on this podcast, but there's a freedom of speech element. If you're not bullying people and calling people in the group specific names, like if you're not using a derogatory term, and we all know there's a lot of derogatory terms for women, for men, for every skin color, religion, culture, there's derogatory statements and names for everything and everyone. And I believe if it went that far, I can understand you shutting off the comments. But I believe that this is another example of control. So now I'm finding out. Now I might not be right about this because this is the second. This is breaking news on the rumor mill side. Because when I released my episode last night. That was talking about Grand Design taking down my Facebook posts. I got 46 emails that were a mixture of people saying Grand Design isn't the only one. Now remember, I've never accused Grand Design. I want to make that clear. I've never accused Grand Design of taking down the post. I just said, who is doing it for them? Who's doing it in their name? Who's doing it? It was a question. I have my theories, and I gave my theories. But some people have reached out to me and said, I'm in the business, you haven't met me yet. Love your stuff. But the top Facebook RV groups are controlled by dealership, corporation, corporate dealerships, and manufacturers. I'm like, that can't be right. And so they sent me examples. So one of the groups I'm actually a part of, I found out, is actually run by Camping World. Camping World runs it. And they even admit they run it in the description of the group. So I can imagine if there was anti-camping world 
propaganda in that group, chances of it getting removed are probably pretty high. Not accusing them of that. Just saying it's a possibility that that's a high probability that if you said anything bad about Coleman or anything derogatory about a, a problem you have with a rig, it's a possibility they remove it off the group because it is controlled by Camping World. So then I went into another group that I'm a part of and right in the description box of the actual group, it even says it is run by that brand and manufacturer. So it, it seems there's a lot of censorship that's going on that is not political. I, I, you know, somebody shares an article talking about Forest River laying off 83 people and I get a screenshot showing that they've shut off comments on it because it's gotten too political and I scroll down, I could see some of the comments. Nothing out of control. But I'm not going to say people don't take it too far. Okay? People do take it too far. I'm not going to say they don't. But to use the word moderators gives a hint that these manufacturers in general and the big corporate dealerships in general have a team that controls the narrative. Again, a theory, not fact, but a pretty good theory based on evidence that I've come across. The next really breaking news thing I want to give you guys, and this is something that I saw coming, but I thought it would happen last year already. So I get statistics sent to me from two major uh, auction houses. And when I look in the last four weeks, just out of Las Vegas, Nevada, 74 towables have gone through the auction. 74. Now that's not a lot, guys. I want to I want to make that clear. That's not a lot. That's less than 20 selling at the auction on let's say a Thursday or Friday or Thursday Friday combination. That's not a lot. Okay? But it's more than it has been. And the amount didn't worry me because the amount that they're selling for was right in line with what the market is right now. What the real market is, not what the fake market is. And what I mean by fake market, just to cover that, is what things are listed for. Well, I see people putting them online for this amount of money, which is all fake fairy dust. It's not the real value or what the thing really should sell for, whether it's low or whether it's high. This lines up with reality based on the report I got. What is 
not scary, but what kind of makes me go, huh, and raise an eyebrow is the average year model is 2020. And out of 74, 60 of them were voluntary repossessions. The people went and turned them into the bank. Ten of them were actual repossessions, and four of them were from actual dealerships that got shut down. So what does that tell me? It raises an eyebrow to something that I've been saying for a year and a half now, trying to scream at deal uh, at manufacturers, yelling and screaming with my hands in the fucking air, going, there's a problem. Because here's the real problem. Let's just say that that, go, that happens six more times over the next nine months. That kind of, let's call it ratio. Let's say half of them have good credit. Now that person is out of being able to buy an RV for the next eight years. I try to cover this with Forest River, Keystone, Heartland, Winnebago. I had conversations with several middle management, middle upper management of the factories, telling them back in August of 2022, mind you, you guys have a problem. Your problem is, is because the supply and demand problem, dealerships didn't get rich by any means. And proof is in the pudding. You can tell me, oh, that's karma. Oh, it's karma. It's not karma, guys. Dealerships did not make significantly more money overall during COVID because they sold less units. And the guys that didn't make home runs and make all the money are pretty close to closed because they didn't manage their money. There's a lot of dealerships that were successful during COVID and closed their doors within the last 12 months. That's not karma. That's mismanagement on both the dealership's part and the manufacturer. Going back. So I told them, you're going to be in big trouble because a lot of these people are going to be buried in these things you guys need to start thinking about a program that allows dealerships to get a huge rebate to sell the inventory they currently have and get people out of their trades with minimal cash they looked at me like i was a fucking idiot most of them or they were the corporate stooge who's the company yes man. Well, you know, we got to find the right partners. And, well, you know, there's just not that kind of money lying around. Really? So you manufactured 662,000 RVs as an industry in 2022 
or sorry, 2021. You manufactured 565,000 in 2022, both records, and you didn't save any money for a rainy day? We all know that's not true. We know it's about ego. And listeners to this podcast and to my cha- my regular main channels mostly agree with me. Now, there are a few people who are like, you're full of shit, John. You're full of shit, honey badger. Okay. I get it. That's your opinion. The third breaking news thing is I got word from someone back east. This is someone on the east coast that they got a report that some of the prime banks are seeing an all-time high of either first second or third missed payments and what that means is is the customer shows up buys the rv let's say that they get the bank the loan through and i'm gonna use an example i'm not you saying this is fact because i i hear a lot of people say you gotta be careful what you say guy goes in the dealership u.s bank says yes to the loan person's an 800 excellent credit First payment becomes due. Customer doesn't pay the payment. That's missed first payment. Missed second is they paid the first payment, missed the second. Third missed payment is they made the first two payments, did not pay the third. And the bank can't get a hold of the people. There's a lot of that. Comparatively. And that's, that's the most scary part, is people are either abandoning their homes, this is a possibility, there's probably a segment right now or a movement where people are abandoning their homes, abandoning their cars, abandoning their credit, getting an RV in a truck, or a fifth wheel in a truck, or a motor home, and going to go live off grid somewhere where nobody can find them. There's some, hey, look, us as dealerships, us as finance managers do the best we can to vet people. I try to ask a lot of questions. I try to ask as many questions as possible to kind of gauge what I'm dealing with. And that's one reason why I've had such a good reputation amongst banks ever since I was in finance, because they know I'm going to go ask all the questions. I bet you if you looked at my default and my repo rate amongst all the loans I've gotten bought and approved, I bet you it's less than 4%, including the subprime loans, including the bad credit loans. And and that's because I ask all the questions. I don't fudge anything. I don't do anything out of control and stupid. You know, I hang out in the gray sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Don't think I haven't been in the gray before, okay? But when I'm in the gray, I ask a million questions. I make sure who I'm dealing with is who I'm dealing with. 
I get to know the customer. But that's hard to do on every single customer that walks in the door, especially if you're a bigger dealership. If you're a high-volume, high-moving dealership in a high-populated area, a lot of times you don't have the opportunities to do that with every single customer. So why that's scary overall to me, and that's the most scary thing, is because if that trend continues and it's not just an outlier, then it's going to become even harder to get RV loans for a while. And let me tell you why. Because then they're going to start doing what they used to do. So I don't know if you guys know this, but what banks and credit unions in general used to do is they used to make you, when you signed your docs, you had to take possession of the vehicle, the trailer, the toy all, or the motorhome. And then they would contact you after before they fund the loan with the dealership to make A, you have possession, and B, to ask you a million questions to try to throw you off to see if you answer something. Like, for example, here's a great example. I had a customer years ago put me in the trick bag and tell me that, and everything lined up, and they took the trailer, Bank of America called them, lady was great at the questioning, and said, so where are you going to be living in your RV? And the customer said, oh, well, we're planning on doing it on this part of the country first and this part of the country second. And instantaneously, I got a letter from Bank of America saying, sorry, we're going to deny the loan. We had to go back to the person's house, pick up the travel trailer, and bring it back because they told them they were going to live in it. There, there's going to come a time where that's going to be possible. And for a lot of you, we'll just pay cash then. Well, I'm going to tell you, 8 out of 10 people in the RV, in the RV world finance them one way or the other. So you're basically telling everybody that only 10 to 15% of the population should be able to buy an RV? Really? If you don't have the cash, you can't buy it? Is that what you're saying? It's kind of wrong, don't you think? I think it's wrong. I think if someone wants to buy something on credit, they should have the freedom to apply. Whether they have the cash in them, the, the full amount in the bank or not. The next breaking news thing that I have for you is I got the tap on the shoulder. And again, this has not been announced publicly, so I have to call it a theory or a rumor. And the rumor is Camping World is buying up uh, everything they can in factory yards. They're buying as much Keystone, Forest River, whatever they can get their hands on that's in the yard, that's already been built, that dealers are not taking, Camping World's taking it. And they're not buying 10 at a time. They're buying 
I think it's and, and again the number is is has 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 kind of fluctuated since I've been talking to people about it. One person told me it was like twelve hundred RV. Somebody told me it was like thirty five hundred. I think it's somewhere in between. So the number I don't have, but I know they're buying up the yards. If you got a hundred pieces in your yard, they're buying it. And the reason why is because according to my five sources that are close to the situation, they said that according to the executive level of Camping World itself, they feel that there's going to be a shortage of, shortage of RVs soon. That we're going to go through something similar that what we did during COVID. Where there's going to be not enough inventory and too many customers. Do I believe that? My data doesn't say that. The data and the, the hypothesis I came up with is that I believe we're going to have a better retail market this year than we did last year. I think there will be new more new RVs sold in 2024 than there was in 2023. I think we'll have anywhere between a 10 and 15% increase in sales. But I think on the factory side of things, I believe they're going to ship probably between 18 and 25% less than they did in 2023. And to explain that, I'm going to explain to give you the short version there's a playlist full of my episodes if you're curious that uh, if you go to my main channel, HBRV Lifestyle, I have videos that I've done with the full explanation of it. So let me just give you the short version. And the short version is this. I look at it from perspective of dealerships are overstuffed with inventory. They are now pounded with 2023 year models. Some of them still have year model 2022s on their lot. Okay? Watch this. Because they carried over so much inventory and they're taking such massive losses to move 2023s and 2022s, dealers are not in the mood to buy inventory from the factory at the same pace they normally would in a normal economy. So that's a short version of the long story. So I believe that factories are actually going to shut down. I believe brands will disappear. I believe that what will happen is we will break down to where Forest River, Thor Industries, and Winnebago will, cut, have, to, will have no choice but to cut their lines down. Because... I've been in contact with several owners across the United States and Canada that have personally told me when they sell out of certain 2023s, they're done with that brand. Completely done. Most of them have told me they're going to carry one to two entry-level travel trailers one mid-tier travel trailer, and one high-end travel trailer. 
So an example of that, let's say you're on the West Coast, they would carry Forest River, Salem, Cruise Light, maybe, um, uh, let's use a Grand Design product and give them some props because I've done nothing but beat up their fifth wheels, but we'll use a travel trailer. So probably Transcend, then Imagine, then let's call it Cougar or Paradigm. And they're going to dump the rest. And then they're going to carry one entry-level fifth wheel and one high-profile fifth wheel. And then they're going to carry one, maybe two brand of motorhome at each segment. And that's it. What they're going to get good at, one owner told me their goal is to get to the point where they have their sales guys, instead of having a freaking candy store and having a shitload of inventory with multiple brand stickers on it, they're going to get it down where if you sell travel trailers, you have four brands to sell and you better get good at selling them. You better learn your damn product. And you better know what your competition is. You can't just walk around and go, ain't it purdy, don't you want to buy it? So there are brands that are going to get absorbed into bigger brands. There are going to be mass layoffs in the RV business on the factory side. Because if you're only going to build between 250 and 300,000 RVs this year, you don't need all those workers. Again, a theory. Now, look, I'm going to read you guys an email real quick. I'm not going to name the person. You guys know that I don't do that. If you send me an email or you send me a direct message, I will never reveal your name unless you ask me to. Ooh, I got a lead. Woohoo! Okay, hold on. Okay. Go back. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, here we go. Bam! And, and, and I'm going to shorten the email because it's a long one, okay? And I, just to let you know, I got 38 other emails similar to this in the last two days since I released my last episode. <clears throat> it says, I've been looking for a way to communicate with you. If you are the person that posts the podcast on Grand Design Flame Flex issues, please ask about why people, and you if so, you ask a question. The question is why people won't answer to you about their problems with the Grand Design Frame Flex and construction issues. I added that little part so because it's... Well, I can tell you this without question. Just look at the used and new ones going up for sale. Was not like that a year ago. People were back then hunting them down. Now people are afraid of these problems. People are afraid the investment they have will be hurt with these issues. I, for one, am terrified. We own a 2021, and I won't name what it is. It's a Grand Design 5th wheel, just to let you guys know, okay? 
and I'm sure we have some kind some kind of that issue. Basically, I'm I'm going to finish it up with this as at the bottom it says here lies the problem with people not wanting to talk. Basically, the sum up of her email or his email or her email or whatever it is is that they feel that if they talk and even just give me the information that I was looking for that grand design isn't going to help them so she even goes on I'm sorry he 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 or she I, I can't tell um Continue also in the thing, and, and this is something common between all 38 emails, is they said they posted something inside a group on Facebook or Instagram or Quora or Reddit, and either they voluntarily removed it and won't tell me, most of them won't tell me why they felt they had to remove it, or it was removed from some other entity. So, <clears throat> my posts have been removed. A lot of people have responded to me and told me their posts have been removed. I'm just going to ask the question one more time. Do you really trust Grand Design at this point? I'm going to leave that completely up to you. If you want my opinion, I don't trust them anymore. Not after what I've been through. And I think the only way, and this is my opinion, the only way it's going to change is if everyone stops buying Grand Design fifth wheels. But that's not going to happen. Because there's a lot of people out there that are oversold on the brand name. Just like Louis Vuitton. It's it's an association. Grand Design is one of the most recognized brands in the United States and Canada. So brand names generally get the bigger boost. And if you're removing all the negative stuff off the internet, if someone's removing it for Grand Design or if Grand Design's having it done or whatever the case may be, no accusations, just theories, then obviously no one knows that this stuff's going wrong. And I, I, I want to I segue that because I mentioned it again because I want to segue it into something that's going to sound political, but it's not meant to be political. Okay. First off, our world in general is very hypocritical when it comes to the words freedom of speech. Okay. First off, I didn't if 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 you listen to what I said yesterday, I said that I, I never blamed the social media platforms for my stuff getting, we'll call it censored. 
okay? This is where it becomes dicey for me. And this is where I'm like, I get afraid to open my mouth because I think that conservatives will stop listening to my podcast. And I'm trying to keep everybody inclusive because I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm neither one. There, there are some parts of me that like what Republicans have to say and there are some parts of me that like what Democrats have to say. I have uh, a lot of love for the far-right, hardcore, militant conservatives in some things and I have a big heart and, and big ears as far as listening to the far-left liberals. Now, I don't listen to everything. But there are small things on the extreme sides of both political parties that make sense. And I won't make that conversation a part of this because that's none of anybody's business. That's my business of my own. But what I am going to say is that if you have a company, you own a company, you write the bylaws and you write the rules of the company as long as they fit within the laws of our country or the state. This is done anywhere around the world. If you're in communist China and you open up a social media network company or an app, you have to create rules and bylaws of the company and they have to be within the country of communist China's laws. Russia, Japan, Germany, Italy, France, England, United States, Canada, doesn't matter. Okay? You also have to have some rules to have common sense. Okay? So when we get censored about certain things, like, I don't know, like this Forest River sense, uh, the Forest River people laying off 83 people and that being censored in a Facebook group feels overblown. But I don't blame Facebook. I blame whoever runs the Facebook group. You know, um, when TikTok muted one of my muted my video when I was asking for grand design information. If you look at their community guidelines, if you are hit with X amount of bullying complaints, they automatically mute your video or mute your channel until they've reviewed it. Now, I'm happy to say and happy to announce that video that I told you was muted on TikTok Today I got notified by TikTok that they investigated and they're like, you didn't say anything wrong. You're not bullying anybody. So it's back on. Instagram and Facebook, they deleted it. But I got an apology email that says if I re I can repost the reel if I want. I don't want my channel to get flagged anymore or my my I, it's going to be one less way people can contact me if I keep pushing the envelope on Facebook. Now here on YouTube, which YouTube got a lot of crap for a lot of years about censorship, about 
the 2020 election and blah, 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 right? Bunch of two mices going after each other about, well, they censored me about this and they censored me about that. YouTube has a set of community guidelines. And as long as you stick within those guidelines, you could say whatever you want. I got a notification that's a handful of people complained about this podcast when I started talking about grand design. They didn't take down the videos. They sent me a thing saying that they're investigating the video because of allegations of scam. Somebody thought I was scamming them. YouTube kept the video up. Or I should say they re-allowed the video. And the video, watch this guys. This is what's really interesting. Okay, if you're still with me. This is what the most interesting part about the whole thing is. It was the Grand Design Frame Flex when I put question marks. When they, they, they actually originally took it out of circulation of YouTube for a little bit to do their little investigation. And then two hours later, I got an email from YouTube. Your video has been reactivated. And it went from 40 views to now 6,000 views on a 40-minute podcast about FrameFlex and Grand Design. So Grand Design's going to have... If Grand Design... If Grand Design is purposely trying to remove posts off the internet about their bad frames, their bad construction, their bad quality, all the problems they've been having, going to have a real tough time on YouTube and TikTok. Because unlike Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat... Uh, and, and even Twitter, even Elon's X gets a little touchy still. Okay. The other two are not going to remove. Not unless you're doing something really stupid. So the, we, we just have to like, we, we have to, I have to find another avenue to try to help people. So I'm trying to use this podcast more than my main channel. My main channel, I'm trying to keep it separate from the podcast because the podcast is almost like I come on and do episodes when I get information. While the main channel is mostly about education. And if I start mixing the two, they are two different viewers a lot of times. You know, if someone doesn't like the, what I have to say on the podcast, but they love to what I say on the main channel because it's educational. You know, it's the reason why I haven't promoted my podcast on my main channel. Now I promote my main channel here because I know this is a different listener that may not have seen me on the main channel. But it's... When, when you're a company in any country, you have standards and guidelines based on your beliefs. And as long as they stick within the laws of a country, a state, a province, we have nothing to say. 
you know, th there's a limit, a limit on a lot of stuff. But let me ask you a question. And this is just food for thought for everybody. Doesn't matter what your pol politics are. Doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're independent. Doesn't matter if you're Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Let me ask you something. Is your freedom of speech more important than your neighbor's freedom of speech? How far is censorship to go? Is your freedom of speech protected if you're planning a nefarious crime or a felony and you're blasting it on the internet or if you're committing a felony? If you're coming online and telling everybody that EMP was launched from some country it's going to hit our country in 20 minutes and it's false information is that freedom of speech allowed on the internet just saying guys it's just food for thought for you okay that's all it is it's food for thought you know is is it, it, you know one of the tough it, it, here's here's a great example you want to talk about censorship how about Rumble? I've posted 19 videos to Rumble and did everything that they tell you to do to optimize them. And in four months, I've gotten two views total. Is that right? Is that wrong? To me... It's their company, their rules. If they're looking for specific content, if you're looking for guys like Andrew Tate and Fresh and Fit and whatever podcast, and that's their lane, and they don't really care about the RV world, and they're going to just push me aside and promote controversial uh, podcasts, that's their decision. That's their business model. That's their choice. As long as you're not breaking any laws, we should have nothing to say. We are Americans or Canadians or if you live in a free country, your freedom is not more important than your next door neighbor that's a citizen. A Republican's freedom of speech is not more important than a Democrat's. A liberal's freedom of speech is not more important than a conservative's. We all just need to learn how to get along. We used to. Then we allowed two grumpy old men to make a decision for us. That's reality. We let two guys that couldn't even spell president control what we're supposed to feel. Screw that crap.
neither one of them can do anything for us so why don't we just why don't we just come together as communities and do the right thing it's sad what happened in kansas city and there's going to be screaming and yelling all over the streets about gun control it's a new political firearm is gun control again I'm going to be very honest with you guys about something. Gun control is a sweet idea. On paper. It sounds good. It looks good. And in, and in theory, gun control measures are logical. But... This will get me in trouble. But you are not going to stop a psychopath, a sociopath, someone that is geared and wanting to hurt people. You are not going to stop them from accessing weapons like guns. They will find a way. Criminals in general, especially career criminals... Not the onesie twosies, oops, why the hell do I do that type of guy? But the one the career criminals, like mafia type of thing, an organized crime, they'll find a way to get guns. No matter what laws you put into place, they will find a way. Bad people in general with bad intentions are going to find a way to hurt people, one way or another. And that's the only reason why gun control in practice will never be enough. We, ha we have to, as human beings, change our communities. That's how we stop or limit these problems and i love steve kerr and i love the passion of these people people who are anti-gun or pro-gun i love your passion but the gun itself is not the problem bow and arrow is not the problem the knife is not the problem the bus or the car when terrorists use that stuff the pipe bombs the nail guns anything can be used as a weapon those aren't the problems the problem is we don't have enough, enough sense of community. And it's been that way for a long, long time. I remember, I, I'm going to be 40 years old this year. And I remember the days when I was a kid, up until the day I was an early to mid-teenager, that we were still riding our bicycles outside in groups. We had barbecues in the neighborhood. <clears throat> we went to arcades. I'm not going to say there wasn't crime or violence or stuff like that, guys. I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is we didn't nearly have the problems we have now in our world when we had a better sense of local community. When we got to know our neighbor. Not just our neighbor next door, but all of our neighbors. Whether we liked them or not, we looked after each other.
back in the 80s and 90s, we watched out for each other. You could talk crap about all the gangs in Los Angeles, the Crips, the Bloods. You could talk all that crap. But most people in South, uh, Southeast L.A., Watts, Compton, Inglewood, they have a sense of community. We need to get back to that. We need to get to the back to where everybody knows each other's names in town and you know your local drugstore person's name. You know the cashier at Walmart. You, you, you know the guy that parks the cars or grabs the carts. You know, when, when you go into a, a drive-thru at Starbucks to pick up coffee, you smile and you say hi. You know everybody in there's name. They know you. They know your drink. They know your coffee. Because when we all know each other, Whether we like each other or not, it's a whole different scenario. But we all kind of know each other. We know when something's wrong. And we can come to, together as communities, as communities, and try to help prevent these problems. You're not going to prevent them all. It's impossible to prevent them all. But if we work together, and we come together... And stop being divided. And stop worrying about our fucking skin color. Or our stupid religions. Or sexual orientations. Or whatever the hell we want to call ourselves. A kinder dragon scale hunchback of Notre Dame. I mean, I don't care what you want to call yourself. We need to stop shoving stuff on people. We need to stop shoving it both ways. Both ways. Not just one. But both ways need to stop shoving stuff on each other. And we all need to come together as a world and as a community. And help each other. That's my two cents. And until next time, remember RV stands for toolkit and sense of humor.